The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Lower Decks, Caves. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Father Corey couldn't be with us today, but he'll be back soon, we hope. Uh, Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode because we have more of your listener feedback. And we want to ask you to please share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community and reach more listeners. The number one way this podcast grows is by folks sharing with others. Share with one person today, just one, and that that would be a huge help to us. And another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy, if you enjoy this one, is Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which you can find wherever fine podcasts are found or at mysterious.fm. So, Jimmy, we're talking about caves today. Can you help us go spelunking with a recap of this episode? This week, Lower Decks has no mystery ship sighting. Instead, it gives us a clip show, only unlike on the sitcom community, it's made up of clips we've never seen before. The Lower Deckers are sent to study some moss in a cave on a planet, but there's an earthquake and they're trapped and can't contact the Cerritos. What's worse, the moss in the cave turns out to be carnivorous and it's growing at an alarming rate. As they try to figure out a solution, they each tell a story about when they were previously trapped in a cave. Boimler tells how he was trapped in a cave with an officer who was a conspiracy nut that was convinced that they were in a morality trap by the shape-changing Vendorians. And it turned out they were. Rutherford tells a story about he and Dr. Ta'ana were trapped in a cave with an alien woman who died, but impregnated Rutherford with her new baby clone self. Mariner tells a story about how she and Delta Shift got trapped in a cave that made people age in weird ways. After these stories, they think they've figured out a way to reestablish communications with the Cerritos, but suddenly the carnivorous moss envelops them all, and it turns out that the moss is sentient. It won't let them leave until it hears Devon Attendee's story that she kept trying to tell, only the others kept cutting her off because it involved being trapped in a turbo lift rather than a cave. So Devana relates her story, and it involves how she and the other Lower Deckers got trapped in a turbo lift for hours on her first day on the Cerritos, and it was a bonding experience that helped solidify their friendship. The cave moss says it's eaten many interlopers, but has never made a friend, possibly because it's been eating interlopers, and it asks if they can be its friends. The Lower Deckers respond, sure, we were sent here to study you. And the cave moss tells them to take their scans as long as they continue to tell stories. We then cut to another part of the cave where two shape-changing Vendorians assume their true forms and announce that the Lower Deckers have passed their test, having successfully reestablished their friendship despite their recent promotions. The end. (laughs) So your overall impression of this one? I enjoyed it. It was uh, okay as a filler episode. Um, It doesn't really contribute to... um, it doesn't really contribute to the season arc at all. Um, So that'll be confined to the next two parts. The final two parts should be heavily about the mystery ship. It's, it's, I like that they went in the direction of a clip show, but provided us with new content. So for people who may not be aware, clip shows are a money saving device that get used in, um, 
in in various forms of media where you don't have the typically at the end of seasons or towards the end of seasons, you don't have the money to do a full show and you may be running low on scripts. And so what you do is you write a show where the characters sit around and reminisce about things from previous episodes and they just use clips from previous episodes, which is why it's called a clip show. And these are typically low wattage on creativity. Even Star Trek, you know, you see these a lot in sitcoms where the characters will sit around and say, remember that time when this character did this thing? And then we'll see a clip of it. Um, and they're, they're, they're generally regarded as, as being non-creative episodes. Uh, one of the worst is the second season clip show in Star Trek The Next Generation, where Will Riker got injured, and to keep him alive, they got to stimulate his memory. And so we get to see bunches of clips of previous episodes of Next Gen. And they're generally very unsatisfying. But occasionally, you have a, you have a series that decides to do something different. On Community, uh, which was a kind of a avant-garde sitcom, um, they did a clip show and they made sure that even though they were referring to things in the past, none of the clip footage was from a previous show. It was all newly created. And that's basically what they do here. Also, this episode kind of reminded me a little bit of another episode of Community called Remedial Chaos Theory, where you see the same scene played out six different ways. Um, the characters are sitting around. They've ordered a pizza. They roll a six-sided die to see who goes to the door to get the pizza. And depending on how the die rolls or when they roll the die, they end up creating six parallel universes each of which has a different person go to the door. And you see how the scenario plays out depending on who goes to get the pizza and crazy things happen and you get a you get this amazing repetition with variations of the same sequence of events. It's really dramatic. To my mind, remedial chaos theory is the best I've ever seen of a story that has these compartmentalized segments like that. And here we have something like that, where each of the people are in a cave. The caves all actually look pretty much identical. They even comment because in Star Trek, it's normal to have like a in next gen's era, they called it planet hell, but um, it, it's it's kind of a cave set that you can redress for different episodes. And they actually point that out as soon as they beam down into this cave. Rutherford says, I love caves, the flat floors, the weird smell. And someone else says they all kind of look the same. And that's an allusion to you know, reset redressing in cave based episodes. And I and Rutherford's comment about the flat floors, because these are in if you look in um, the original series, uh, the floors in caves are completely flat. It's clearly just a cement studio floor. It's not an actual cave floor. Like if you look at Devil in the Dark, the episode with the silicon based Horda, they're in these tunnels that all have remarkably flat cement studio floors. So they're poking fun at that. And I like this episode, but it's not it does to me it doesn't have the brilliance that community did in its clip show or in remedial chaos theory, but it's still good and I like it. Yeah, I I enjoy the one of the things I really like about Lower Decks is how they take things that are that fans comment on about all of the Star Trek series and blows it up a bit. And so this one is 
did you ever notice how many episodes of Star Trek take place in caves that all look alike? Yeah. And I do like that aspect of this and, and that they, they, they pin it, pin a, a real huge red flag on it and just roll with it. And, and even within those stories, how often those stories have similarities, glowing pools of water, uh, you know, um, you know, cave-ins and all the other things that make caves on planets that Star Trek visits, you know, interesting away missions. And there were a lot of them. I mean, I don't know that anybody has gone through and counted, but there are dozens of episodes of Star Trek that take place in caves. So it's kind of funny to to have that. So I did like that. Uh, I did like that they are exploring each one's experience. Um, Mariner hates caves, uh, you know, uh, whereas Rutherford. Because, because, of course, Mariner does. Well, of course she does. Right. Because she's <laughs> everything. Uh, and Rutherford, the ever, ever the optimist, you know, like you mentioned, I love the flat floors, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a call out of. Yeah, it's in a it's in a, a, a studio. Uh, so I, I did like that. Um, in fact, someone. Yeah, someone does say at the beginning of this mission, caves all kind of look the same, which is true. As you mentioned, they. They, all these caves look the same because they are the same. So it is kind of funny. Uh, each we have a, a bunch of different planets here. So we have the 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 one from the frame narrative, uh, Gratanus or Gratanus, which is kind of a call out to cave because Grotto is a kind of cave. I think I think it's a name for that. Um, then there's Chiron Four and Bulkus Nine, and um, and then there, then there was on the board the ship that was the other. The other place that they were. Um, so I, I did like that. Um, yes. And when I mentioned dozens of episodes are of Star Trek must take place on uh, in cave sets or at least have caves in them. Yeah. The, the, I think it, I don't know if this was if, if they are telling us this, but at one point there's a line. It feels like a third of all our missions are in caves. And maybe that's the truth of a third of all Star Trek episodes have caves in them. Uh, that would be. Sounds a little high to me, but yeah, but entirely possible. I mean, it's kind of like the. Uh, in fact, I think they called us out in a previous season how in the original series all the planets kind of look alike, you know, with the with the uh, the the spray foam rocks and all that sort of stuff, and just a little a lit differently. So um, yeah, um, so they end up getting trapped in the cave, and. Uh, they of course communicators don't work and i think it's mariner who points out yeah bunches of rocks always beat centuries of technological pro uh, progress mm -hmm. and it is that funny idea like they're like they're this their communicators can communicate across vast distances but drop a pile of rocks there and they're useless as anything i, I did think that was a, a a funny aspect of it calling it out again um and they also can't beam through the rock for reasons yeah, carnivorous glowing moss, which which was you know fun. They're there to study the moss, and it turns out to be carnivorous. And uh, uh, so we have the introduction of Levy, uh, who's mm -hmm. Lieutenant Levy, who we've seen again before. I mean, um, he was in. Let's see, which episode was? I didn't write it down, but he was in not caves, but he small no small parts. That was mm -hmm. the previous one, um, it, where it was established that he was a conspiracy theorist. Um, but the reality uh, is that there sometimes conspiracies are real. Mm -hmm. and, they and, are. That's why we have laws against them. <laughs> that's right. Conspiracy uh, is a crime. And even he was kind of surprised that his conspiracy theory about Vendorians being behind him and Boimler being stuck on uh, mm -hmm. in the cave on Chiron 5. He, he actually was surprised that he was right, which is kind of funny. 
the Vendorians are, are a race that were originally introduced in the animated series. They look kind of like red squids that walk on tippy toes, but mm-hmm. they can assume the form of other races. They're shape changers. And so they can impersonate you. And that makes them great fodder for conspiracy theories. Right. Shapeshifters are fantastic for conspiracy theories, which is why the founders in DS9 were such a great yeah. uh, enemy. Um, and, and in fact, uh, Boimler kind of calls them like, why would they, you know, our morality is not the same as Vendorian morality. Why would they be administering a morality test? And in fact, they were administering a morality test on them. Um, uh, the the running gag of Levy dismissing the Battle of Wolf 359 as an inside job is brought back mm-hmm. here. Uh, so that, mm-hmm. that I like that. There's also a nice one where after they make contact with the Vendorians and they start... Levy earns their respect because it turns out Levy knows about their customs mm-hmm. and, you know, how they like, well, I forget exactly how he says it, but like they're going to put spores in our necks to hatch their young and stuff like that. And it's, oh, you know about our customs. And so that earns them respect and they have a dinner party and they start swapping stories. And one of the things Levy mentions is a hark back to a seventh season next gen episode, which is not particularly well regarded, but these aliens uh, develop evidence that regular use of warp travel across the same territory causes damage to subspace. And so this is an ecology based episode. And the Federation announces new warp limits to where you can only go warp five except in emergency circumstances, which, of course, always apply. (laughs) So 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 they, they it's effectively not a limit. Um, it gets a couple of lines of dialogue in later episodes, but they're basically always transgressing the warp speed limit. And then by the time of Voyager, I think they said at one point that Voyager is designed in such a way not to cause that damage so they didn't have to deal with the issue on Voyager. But in this, it, Levy is talking to the Vendorians and is talking about, like, remember that time you guys falsified data about how going warp speed damages subspace? <laughs> and, and that just nicely retcons it it's like that was never a real issue that we don't have to pay any attention to that in the future that was just falsified data <laughs> as part of a vendorian conspiracy let's never speak of it again <laughs> yeah. I, I also like the uh, the dinner party was like uh, some kind of bug and boimler mm-hmm. is you correctly oh and, and and levy's like yum and just digs in and starts yeah. eating the bug <laughs> so uh once that story's done they're you know back in the present um, they're, they're, they need to mine some mineral in order to enhance the communicators, et cetera, you know, whatever the 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 uh, techno babble is uh, that they need to do. And uh, Rutherford comes up with uh, there's some over there, but in order to uh, phaser it off the wall, we need something to uh, prevent, you know, uh, to act as a barrier. Quick, Boimler, take off your pants. And he just like, boop, right off and he hangs it over so he can phaser it through the through the wall. And Meredith's and, and like, the other- the yeah. others are kind of like, dude, you did that without thinking. It's like, hey, we're roommates. <laughs> <laughs> they see each other walking around in their underwear. <laughs> it's like, well, could you use your shirt like instead of your yeah. pants? <laughs> which, which is he could have. Uh, it's just so funny. And then he ends up taking his shirt off and wrapping it around him, his waist. Um, and uh, so that, that was funny. And so then we get the story of Rutherford getting trapped. He, he kind of just casually drops. Oh, yeah, that time I was trapped in a cave with Dr. Ta'ana and we had a baby together. And they were like, what? And I noticed that Tendi was the most shocked and, and yes. upset because, of course, yeah. we have this 
latent romance between them. Um, and uh, so then we get that story. And it turns out it wasn't Dr. Ta'ana was not the mother. Um, she was the attending physician yes. for the birth. And so it was misleading dialogue. The The actual mother was Rutherford himself. And we get an, we get a story that's very reminiscent of that first season Star Trek Enterprise episode where Trip is holding hands with an alien woman who doesn't know how, and he doesn't know how their reproduction works and she gets him pregnant. So Trip has a baby. Mm. And and here you have this alien woman, Dr. Ta'ana and um, and Rutherford are in this cave to get some like plants for 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 medical for medical reasons. But the cave also has a monster in it called a Graflax, which is we're told is a brain eating monster. And the Graflax attacks them. They have an alien woman there who's a guide. And she gets fatally injured, but she's like, oh, no, don't worry. I'm dying, but I'll just I'll just download my mind into you. And the way she does that is by effectively making skin contact with him. He becomes pregnant. He he has a with a clone of her. So he doesn't appear to contribute any DNA to it. Um, but then it's going to inherit her memories. Right. And then they have to they have to find their way out while dealing with this newborn. Um, Th- her name is Thusa. Yeah. Baby Thusa. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's so it's a it's a baby clone. It's not a full grown clone. And then they have to uh, figure their way out. And meanwhile, Rutherford figures out how to create the, the Graflax is attacking them. They have to figure out he gets a universal translator going. And it mm-hmm. turns out the Graflax is actually intelligent. It just doesn't speak the language. And it's it's protecting its baby, too. So that's the only reason it attacked. So now that we both have established a bond and we're just trying to protect our offspring, the Graflax happily leads them out of the cave complex. Yes. And it turns out well. There's also a nice bit. Dr. Ta'ana is not the best mother. (laughs) Yeah. um, But uh, or the best caretaker for babies. Um, But I do like one thing that they did at one point in this montage they have of of. Dr. Ta- alternately, Dr. Ta'ana and Rutherford taking care of the baby while the other one's trying to find a way out. Dr. Ta'ana holds up a huge, enormous, stinking diaper and phasers it out of existence. And I'm thinking that's exactly what they would do in the 24th century. I would have given many mo- a lot of money to have a phaser to phaser away <laughs> dirty diapers back when I was changing five kids' diapers. Man, I'm glad that that season is over. Uh, <laughs> um so that's so that's uh, Rutherford's cave uh, experience, and then we have Mariner's away mission, and uh, where she was stuck on oh well, that's what Glish was the planet she went to mm-hmm. uh, with Delta Shift, and if you recall, Delta Shift was like so there's four shifts on the starship or three shifts on the starship Is four three? four yeah Alpha Beta uh, Delta gamma. and Gamma, and uh, and our lower deckers were Beta Shift. And the uh, Delta shift was it was the overnight graveyard shift, and they um, they were their sort of their enemies. They they were mm-hmm. rivals, and so she got stuck with a crew from Delta shift uh, on this mission. And they, their shuttlecraft crashes; uh, they go through an ion storm because that's always happens. And um, the I noticed that the 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 shuttlecraft is named Kings Canyon. Is that another California mm-hmm. landmark? Uh, maybe sounds like it, but I haven't looked it up. Okay, I thought you might know. Uh, but in any case, uh, they need again, once again, unless it's, unless it's the one in Griffith Park, that would be that would be really funny if Kings Canyon is in Griffith Park. 
Right. Because Griffith Park is a park in Los Angeles, but it has it has this canyon scenery, including a cave that gets regularly used for um, for film shoots because you've got Hollywood is right there. And, you know, it's part of Los the Los Angeles area. And so people will go to Griffith Park and film lots of stuff. And, and you see the same cave. It's like Vasquez Rocks. You see the same cave over and over again in in tv shows and movies and especially science fiction movies and um it would if if that cave is in king's canyon in an episode about caves that would be really that would be really good uh, it might well, i just did a quick search and there mm-hmm. is a king's canyon national park in uh-huh. california near sequoia so oh. it might not be but it would be funny not it would be funny if it was. It should totally have been something related to a cave. I I, I kind of wish it were. <laughs> um, so anyway, once again, they need some sort of mineral to escape because that's that's the the trope. Uh, and this one is there's a there happens to be a deposit of it right there. Uh, oh, one of the one of the guys on the crew I didn't mention no one on the on the weight team has a broken leg, like a, br- a gruesomely uh, broken compound fracture sticking out. From the skin. It's like, oh, this, this guy. And uh, so they 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 uh, have to go get this material. But as they get closer to it, they get they age. And then as they move away from it, they return to their to their current age. And no, none, none of them can get it. So Mariner and and the crew woman from Delta Shift, whose name I don't remember, they they're going to age to death before they can get to the to the unobtainium that they need. Right. And so they get the guy with the broken leg because he's the youngest. And it's like yeah. the guy with the hideous compound fracture, he needs to crawl painfully through this field to get to the unobtainium. And then it turns out the other guy from Delta Shift went around the sideway and he actually got younger and <laughs> yeah. got to the unobtainium no problem. Yeah, it's a, a Mariner's like, don't worry, your your fracture will heal as you get closer because it will age. And, but it heals like wrong. <laughs> and then it then it disintegrates and draw his foot disintegrates and drops off. Oh, and then as he as he gets further away from it, it doesn't come back. It's, and as at the end, they oh, I think they're repairing the shuttle with this material. And he's like, guys, can we go back for my leg? No, no, we'll, like, we'll we'll have the doctor grow you a new one. <laughs> yeah, like, I really want my leg. <laughs> oh man, that yeah, that was funny. It was um, uh, Caravitis was the woman. Amadou was the guy with the eye patch, and Asif was the uh, was the guy with the broken leg. And they're all again characters we've seen before from Delta Shift. I think in the one where they were in the competition, I think to get to mm-hmm. that uh, location on the ship. I like how Delta Shift has legitimate grievances. It's mm-hmm. like we're up in the middle of the night. No one ever sees and recognizes our accomplishments. Right. They're still lower deckers because everything that they do, they do what, what you know, our lower deckers do. But no one no one notices. And uh, and and then Mariner also recognizes. Yeah. And then you have to fix all the stuff that we break during our shift. Right. And like, mm-hmm. yep, we, we resent that, too. Uh, By the end of it, though, they're doing their Delta Shift chant and Mariner is joining in. Right, right. Yes, right. And and which shocked our lower deckers that she would join in the lower deckers. Um, but it's again that theme of friendship and because the thing with uh, Dr. Don and Rutherford we didn't mention was how she says how much she hates uh, engineers but and by babies the, and babies. And by the end of it, um, Rutherford says, am I the first engineer that you like? 
And then she tells them to shut the bleep up and <laughs> they move yeah. on. And but she has them. learned to like the baby. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. The this yeah, the scent meanwhile, so they get back and they're like, okay, we have what we need. We've we've fixed the communicators, uh, and we're about to communicate to the Cerritos to get off. And then that's when the sentient moss won't let them leave, you know, covers them over until it hears Tendi's story about getting stuck in the turbolift that she's been trying to tell this whole time. And a turbolift is kind of like a cave. It's sort of a, a a reference to this idea that it's a trope, this whole stuck in a confined space. So we have to have a story of getting out of the space. And which is another thing that Star Trek has done at least once. Let's suck on the turbolift. At least, at least twice. Okay. Cause there's the one with Picard and the kids. And there's the one with Spock and number one. Oh, in the short tracks. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I forgot that. And there are other. Oh, no, it's more than that because there's also Odo and Loaxana get stuck in a turbo lift. Yeah. And and I'm sure there are others, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's enough to be a trope on Star Trek. So uh, this goes th- this story harkens all the way back to the first season episode where they had just the ship had just suffered from the the rage virus. And so everything was being cleaned up and they were new friends like they were and uh, they had been drinking in the lounge and got on the turbo lift and the turbo lift broke and they're they're stuck in there and like, oh, how we, you know, it'll be forever. We get out of here. And so the expectation is after hours and hours of being stuck in here, they're going to hate each other. But in fact, they play all these games and four hours later, they're closer than ever. And Tendi says she finally feels like she fits in because she's the only Orion in Starfleet. And um, <laughs> then the doors slam open and Shax roars at them. I'm here to rescue you <laughs> in this scary voice. And they all scream. Um, so and then the, the the and as you mentioned, the sentient moss is like, hey, you know, I, I'd love to hear stories of friendship. Um, and the, we find the reveal of the Vendorians behind it all, over, all again, all over again. Yeah. So and uh, and so there was a chance that the lower deckers might have drifted apart after their promotions and their duty changes, but the Vendorians have ensured that they rebonded. Yes, yes, and that's that's good actually because um, that's what the you know the one of the things that we were concerned about is, is their lower deckers. What's going to happen if the, when they promote them this season? Is it going to change the show? No, clearly, it's 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 a it's sort of a farce. Uh, animation show they're going to keep it you know mm-hmm. they'll take whatever steps they need to keep it going in the way we love it um but i like that they they developed an episode just for that purpose to to tell us things aren't really going to change for for our lower deckers so which is good any other notes on this one jimmy nope all right let's get to that feedback that i mentioned our first feedback comes from john who sent to this email i don't believe anyone has yet pointed out that the koala appears as part of the gas cloud in the Star Trek Delta sequence at the beginning of each episode of Lower Decks. Another cool Easter egg. So this is that identity, like the Star Trek swoosh thing at the beginning. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not surprised I haven't noticed it because I hate those. It's just just company vanity time waster before we get into the show. Yeah, it's sort of like the, the, the 20th Century Fox fanfare it's, or Marvel's it's, thing. It's it's the unskippable. It's like, and this kind of got crazy a number of years ago on DVD, where you'd have these, all oh. these unskippable vanity title cards. Yes. And oh it's, my gosh. it's the TV equivalent of that. 
right. But I'm glad koala's there. Yes. I wonder, now I'm wondering what other Easter eggs we may find if we look closely. Um, so, folks, this, this is this. I'm not going to go do it myself. This is a call out to all the listeners. Go check it out. Find us more Easter eggs because uh, that's fun. And see if you can find this one. But uh, once you start looking, it's not that hard to find. Uh, Alfredo sent in this email. Love listening to Secrets of Star Trek on my long daily commute. I enjoy hearing all of your perspectives. I have to admit, I am narrowly interested in the original series. I have seen some of the animated series. I also love the three J.J. Abrams movies. I want more. Perfect cast. I've listened to your series overviews. I have seen a few episodes of most of the other series, but still go back to TOS. I hate Next Generation. Deep Space Nine and Voyager okay from the few I've seen. Tried Discovery. Okay. My son forced me to watch an episode of Strange New Worlds. Okay. Refusing to watch Picard. Loved Enterprise, although I haven't seen all seasons. Have you considered reviewing Star Trek Continues web series? Vic is an impressive Kirk. Interesting to see James Dewan's son play Scotty. Interesting stories, not quite up to the original's quality, but I enjoy the familiar characters. Neat seeing the real Apollo. Amazed at how they have Im- impeccable guest star lookalikes. I have been to James Cauley's Enterprise sets in Ticonderoga. A phenomenal treat. A couple of his episodes have been okay, but can't get past his hair. Please do more podcasts of the original series and the three new movies. Amazed hearing some online, some Catholic scholars talk Trek. So a lot there. Well, we plan to get to all of the original series episodes and all of the movies. So um, that shouldn't be a problem. That's in the pipeline. It'll just take us a while to do all of them. Um, One of the things that, and we have, I, I know I've considered, I don't recall if we've actually discussed it, but I, I know I've considered proposing that we look at some of the spinoff, you know, uh, fan productions. Mm-hmm. And and we have mentioned them here on the show before. But I, I think we've talked about or may, you know, we may well at some point in the future do reviews of fan productions. Um, and some of them are impressive, although I agree with you. I don't think the stories are up to the same standard and the acting is not, not always up to the same standard. In terms of... Um, your preferences, it sounds like you have some very unique preferences um, in terms of which manifestations of Star Trek you like. And it sounds to me like it's primarily based around the characters, that that may be what you find interesting is you like this particular set of characters. And that's totally understandable. I would uh, mention that if you get to know a new set of characters, you can appreciate them, but it can take a while. One of the things that I noticed a long time ago is I often, when I hear, like listen to an album of music, I don't appreciate it as much the first time as I do later after I've heard it a few times, because there's a bit of a learning curve of what is the artist trying to do here. And once I understand what the artist is trying to do, I appreciate it better. And that's kind of like learning the characters in a series. So I would recommend at some point, uh, you know, tackle Deep Space Nine. It has the best, most interesting set of characters across the Star Trek franchise. Um it unfortunately it takes a few seasons to really build, but once it builds, it is mm. a really great story with really compelling characters who you get a very thorough understanding of. So if it if you're a if if you're character focused, whereas I tend to be more plot focused, but if you're character focused, um, I would recommend Deep Space Nine to you. It just would take a while to learn the characters and for the show to kind of find its feet. But once it finds its feet, 
finds its feet, it takes off a running. I would add that I have a six episode rule, which is based on the classic 26 episode seasons. Uh, but it sort of comes from watching The Next Generation, which is if if a sh- if I see a show that I think I'll enjoy based on what it's about and what I read about it or hear about it, I got I have to give it six episodes of, you know, from its beginning before I make a judgment about it, because often with a lot of shows, those first few episodes, they're just figuring out how the characters work and how things go. Even with next gen, it's more than the first six. It's, it's two. It's the first two seasons of next yeah. gen or substandard. It doesn't get good until the end of season three. I, I would say at least jump to the second season and give it a shot. Watch a handful of season, uh, episodes of, of, of that. Um, and if you like, the J.J. Abrams movies and TOS give Strange New Worlds another shot because especially the the the, the later seasons, uh, it's really good. <laughs> so just my recommendation. I love the original series. That's the, that's where I started with my dad. Um, so me too. Yeah. So that that I, but without I, your dad, yeah, without my dad. <laughs> but uh, I have a lot of uh, uh, feelings for that. Uh, so some of the other things he mentioned, uh, he mentioned the uh, re- the real Apollo. They got mm-hmm. in that web series uh, Star Trek continues. They got the original actor from TOS to reprise his role as Apollo. And there are a number of actors like that they got, including Walter Koenig, who you know who played Chekhov in the original series. He also appears in that. And uh, and then he mentions James Colley's Enterprise sets in Ticonderoga. A fan who was making a fan production built exact reproductions of the original series sets uh, in Ticonderoga, New York. And it's now open for tours that you can actually go and visit it and sit in Kirk's chair and the whole thing like that. So uh, are there I, other Ticonderogas besides New York? Uh, yes, but this one's in Ticonderoga, oh. New York. Okay, I didn't know there were other Ticonderogas. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if there are, but I don't know if everybody knows that Ticonderoga is in New York. I'll put it that way. Okay, so okay, it's in Ticonderoga, New York, uh, and um, it's I, it's I have a bucket list plan to go visit that someday. I definitely, and if I do, I'll share that on on a future episode. I mean, I'd like to to do some of these fan productions, but there's so much trick we haven't even gotten to yet. It's hard to fit it in. Maybe we'll do like a some patron specials or something. At some point. But um, yeah, thank you, Alfredo, for your email. And then our third feedback comes from Eric, who's commenting on uh, this episode of Lower Decks Caves before uh, after he watched it, he sent in some uh, email. He says, I really like this episode. I watched it twice and noticed a very meta thing. Each character story that took place in a cave used the same animated cave set. A callback to the other series that just redressed their cave set. Very nice bit of poking fun of the older shows. Also, I really loved that Boimler and Levy bonded and Levy's crazy conspiracy theories turned out to be not so crazy. Loved the appearance of the Vendorians for the animated series. I give this episode four and a half out of five stars only because I was hoping to get more info on the mystery ship of this season. Yeah, I think that's understandable. It, it, it They've had the mystery ship in every episode up to now, so we kind of expect it at this point and we didn't get anything on that this time. Also, I, I like that that they use the same cave sets in each of the stories. I once saw an interview with Sylvester McCoy, who is a British actor. He plays the seventh Doctor Who. 
And he talks about when he was a kid, he would watch Star Trek, the original series, and he like followed this one foam rock from from episode to episode. And he just tracked that one foam rock. Speaking of uh, fan productions, I when when I was uh, in my late teens, we made a fan Star Trek uh, episode uh, of my buddies and I. And we call that out like uh, at one point we beam down and then Mm -hmm. I, I turn to the captain, I say, wasn't this rock here la- on the last planet we were on? I'm sure it's a different rock. And then we move on. Uh, so, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, I wish that tape of that existed. I would put it online, but I have no idea where that ever ended up. All right. So that's all our feedback. Thank you, everyone, for the feedback. And as we wrap up, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Jeremy N., Ben B., Brad W., Debbie L., and Jeffrey K., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of this Lower Decks episode, Caves. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com. Visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord or watch The Secrets of Star Trek on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash StarQuestMedia where you can also leave a comment. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. And until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom, and live long and prosper. Report to headquarters, Dom has passed our morality test. <laughs> And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on Star Quest. And remember, I hate caves! (laughs) 